on this episode of Jeff Does Vegas. There was a crime watch sign that was on my my wall in my dorm, and my roommate, um, one day when I came home, he said, where'd you get that? And I said, I stole it. And everyone laughed. Everything that came to my dorm were laughed. That's funny. Where'd you I said, I stole it. So my, my friend, I think, said, that'd be a good joke. You should go on stage and say, look, sorry, I'm late. I was in the neighborhood. How good is our crime watch if then I'm watching the signs? <laughs> And that was my first legitimate joke that I wrote myself, and it was a visual. Las Vegas. It's more than just a city. It's a feeling. It's that feeling of excitement when you spot the lights of the strip out the airplane window. It's that feeling of awe as you stroll down the boulevard, taking in the sights and sounds. And it's that feeling of satisfaction knowing that you're in the greatest city in the world. Over 42 million people from around the world share that feeling every year. And I'm one of them. Taking you to the world-famous Vegas Strip and beyond, my name is Jeff, and this is Jeff Does Vegas. Hey there, and welcome to episode number 109 of Jeff Does Vegas. Before we get into this episode of the podcast, I just wanted to thank everyone for listening to the last episode and checking out another world-famous Jeff Does Vegas trip report. I covered my most recent stay at Bally's, along with the restaurants I enjoyed, and I shared my COVID-19 catching experience. If you haven't had a chance to listen as of yet, pop into the archives at jeffdoesvegas.com or search out episode number 108, The March Trip Report, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, here we go. On to the show. My very special guest for this episode of the podcast has been working in the comedy business for over 30 years. He's been on stage around the world and has appeared on hundreds of TV shows, Live with Regis and Kelly, Late Night with Conan O'Brien, Gene Simmons' Family Jewels, CSI, and over 30 appearances on The Tonight Show with Jay Leno, including the very last episode with Jay as host. For the last 16 years, he's been headlining his own show at the Luxor in Las Vegas and recently signed an extension that will keep him there through to 2025. His real name is Scott Thompson, but you know him best as Carrot Top. Scott and I talked about everything from his early days of prop comedy, to how he comes up with his material, to the current state of the comedy business, to the apprehension he had when he initially signed on at the Luxor. Please enjoy my conversation with Carrot Top. As a kid, I was always, uh, you know, they used the word class clown. I don't know if I was actually, you know, although I had the hair for it, but I wasn't like, you know, really interrupting class as much as I was entertaining the, 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 the class after. You know what I mean? I would I never would get in trouble. The student teachers never said, Scott, you know, once in a while I'd be, but I'd go in and tell jokes for, you know, after school. We'd be on the bus and I'd, of course, they'd all come to me, what's the joke of the day? And I would tell, you know. The horrible jokes that my father would you tell me, you know, the night prior when he came home from work, he would always have. He, my dad was a very good straight man, told had great timing, and he always had the best old like classic jokes. And so I knew then, kind of, I mean, at a young age, that I loved, I loved making people laugh. Of course, I didn't think about being a professional comic. I just knew that I loved the idea of making people feel good and laugh. And um, 
my mom, if she was, she would probably say, "Oh no, you were, you were definitely it was you were destined to do this because it was always would make her laugh or smile or something." Um, and I remember I was like thirteen, probably, and I wrote my first joke, which I I uh, I was on a beach with some friends, and we had built a big bonfire, and we were all just you know on a bonfire on the beach roasting marshmallows and what and whatever, and this, these cops came down and said, "You know, you can't have a fire on the beach." And I was like, why? And he says, it's dangerous. Says, we're, we're next to two things that put fires out. We have water and sand. We can't be any safer of a right. place to put. And my friends were like, that was, and the cop was like, don't be funny. I'm like, no, I'm just being serious. Like, and the <laughs> cop kind of looked at me like, that's pretty smart. You're right that you are in the safest place to have a, f- a bonfire. You know, take in the woods, you know, we're going to, you know. So uh, that was like literally how I started writing, like, or not writing, but kind of thinking uh, observational kind of uh, things. Um, which has always been my favorite when you go when I would go to a, or see comics on TV or go to a show, it was always the you know the moments where people would hit their the guy next and said, "Oh my God, that happened to me today, like in traffic, or that happened I, that happened to me in the restaurant." So the observational stuff was always kind of a a fun thing. Mm-hmm. In your family, you didn't have a showbiz family. No, further from it. My father was a scientist at NASA and trained astronauts and. And my mom was a. Uh, she owned a tennis shop, and she was a very, very uh, kind of outgoing social lady. Um, still is, um, but no, I was not. And my brother went to the Air Force Academy and became an F sixteen fighter jet pilot. So yeah, <laughs> where did Kiritop, where 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 did this happen? How did this happen? I think that's part of maybe the the funny part of it. Maybe that's why it happened because I wasn't even you know I wasn't Liza Minnelli's son. I was you know I was mm-hmm. the son of a rocket scientist. So how did I how did I find my way into this world? Who who did you laugh at? Early on, who um, were your comedy idols? I still have books over here. I mean, George Carlin, mm-hmm. uh, Robin Williams, uh, but even the Marx Brothers, uh, Jonathan Winters. Um, you know, there was there were so many comics. I remember. You know, I think I bought like, unfortunately, you know, to say Bill Cosby, but you know that I remember. I remember. I I memorized that entire album. I mean, to to the from head to toe. Um, so yeah, there was a lot, and what's fun too, I think, which is weird because my style of comedy is so is so different than anybody else's, and people always say, "Well, like, where did you, who did you pick to choose to like emulate or, or copy?" And I used to say, I kind of tried to copy a little bit of everybody. Like, I didn't want to be, I couldn't be George Carlin, you know. He 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 was there was no one going to be George Carlin. So I thought, and you know, I liked my props and I liked the the uh, variety, but I wanted to be a smart kind of props so i kind of in a sense was kind of like george carlin observational yet made it into a uh, into a visual format um but if you break it down it wouldn't be a pun so we could break it down any prop that i have is usually something you could actually put it in print and it would it would you'd get a laugh by saying so it's like shoehorn mm-hmm. shoeing a horn it's not funny i never liked the pun aspect of props mm-hmm. um which is how they always, when they think of me and they ask me to do show, they always say, so this will be, this is the joke uh, Family Guy, which is up there on the wall there. They called me and they said, we have this, you want to be in Family Guy? And I said, absolutely. And they said, here's the joke. And it was like a seesaw. And it was a saw with glasses on it. And I hated it so bad. I, was, I said, you know, uh, and it felt weird because I'm in, I'm in the, you know, I'm in the actual like, the people that put this together, there's like 30 writers and Seth MacFarlane is looking at me like, right it's great right and i said can i be brutally honest and he goes yeah i said i hate it and i really don't like it and he goes why and i said it just it's the it's the play on words it just it's it's really not can i pick a 
a, one of my jokes and do it that way? And he says, well, we could, but we already have the animation done. <laughs> so they kind of screw you. So I'm like, oh, you already have it? Yeah, so we already spent a billion dollars on animation. So you want to do it or not do it? I said, I'll do it. So I, so I read the line. Hey, it's a seesaw. So, But people still to this day walk up and say, seesaw. It's, it's, the, weirdest, it's the weirdest thing. What, uh, what prompted that move to prop comedy? Um, you know, I don't know. I, I, I'll tell you, I was I was uh, trying to do c- comedy, and I went to uh, I did stand, you know, normal uh, monology, whatever. Talk about uh, parking at the because that's where I started at college, and I talk about the the, the college and the parking and books and uh, the cafeteria and things that were relatable to the, you know my audience, and I did pretty good. And then uh, I went to a comedy club, and I did the same act and the lady was i still remember colleen mcgar and she was said there's something about you you have it you have the it but you uh your 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 material is very very specific to one thing i said well that's what i'm performing to a bunch of drunk colleges and she's like well if you want to play the comedy club and and you're gonna have to come up with a little more of a broad kind of material and so I said, "Oh, okay. Well, now it's now it's harder." So I, I really didn't know what to do. I I was like, "I don't even know what that means." So I went back to my dorm and I was trying to write jo- like jokes that weren't specifically related to college. And I had a couple that would work anywhere. No, you can smoke weed, but you can't have a hot plate. Like, what's going on there? Are you smoking weed? No, just making soup. Get out of here. And it was always a you know that would work because people, even if you were in college, you didn't. Um, and I think I came up with a uh, there was a crime watch sign that was on my my wall in my dorm and my roommate um, one day when I came home he said where'd you get that and I said I stole it and everyone laughed everything that came to my dorm were laughed that's funny where'd you I said I stole it so my my friend I think said that'd be a good joke you should go on stage and say look sorry I'm late I was in the neighborhood how good is our crime watch if then I'm watching the signs and that was my first legitimate joke that I wrote myself, and it was a visual. And then the woman, when I went down and, and tried to audition for the show, the club, she said, "That do you have more of that?" And I'm like, "What do you mean, like more stolen stuff?" She goes, "Yeah, <laughs> like I can go steal more signs." And she said, "Well, whatever it takes." But I liked the visuals. That, that visual was great, and it was very clever and it's smart. So I went and I started stealing signs, and I, I took like uh, I think I had like a dozen like signs around uh, Boca Raton that I that I went and my buddies and we, we stole them there. Uh, and there was a whole bunch of you know like no train horn between certain hours and I'd say that's when you need the horn you can't see the train and it was very clever and um, there was a slow figure you know, it's a little children to play and they, had a, they still make these signs where there's no feet and I said well no wonder they're slow they don't have any feet so it was all these really good signs and then I had so that's why it was my first little prop like you know it would do about a two minutes and that's all you needed to get in the show and I think I won I won a couple of contests and then uh, the woman said if you could maybe think that way with the visual stuff uh, I really think that's kind of like your style you know Gallagher I said yeah I know who Gallagher is but I didn't want to be him so then I started writing literally I was just I went on a rampage I wrote like you know cowboy boot with a kickstand so rednecks wouldn't fall down I mean I had a I had a I was on a roll, and, I, and the more props I made, the longer I could do. And so um, I said, you know, I can do, I can be a feature now because I, I, you know, I built like thirty props. So it just kind of turned into a uh, into that format of kind of being a prop guy. And then, uh, yeah, and then you know, there it is. The, you know, TV shows, and it was all that kind of 
which is kind of fun now because when I go to the live show now, I get to do more stand-up than I do on the back then because when I did the Tonight Show or just they wouldn't allow, not say allow me, but they were like, eh, we really don't want to hear you talk. We don't, we want to hear you. We want to see your props. That's what yeah. Top is, props. We don't want to see you talk like Seinfeld. And, you know, so I said, okay. So now I have the luxury now where my live show, I can, I can do, you know, a little bit of whatever, a little variety, which has been fun to kind of grow as a stand-up, as more of a, just a prop guy. Where do you pull inspiration from when you're coming up with props? Is it, is it current events? Is it just like, oh, look at that. I can make something out absolutely of that. Absolutely. Is, is it all of it? Yep, all of that. Yeah. yeah. There's observational things. There's the current events. Absolutely. Um, there's, uh, you know gas prices going up so i have a gas you know prop with a you know it's a it's a an actual gas pump handle that has a a rear view, rear view mirror on it so you can see yourself getting fucked while you're pumping it <laughs> so look at that dad's getting fucked so it's a and that one kills i mean then we added music to it give it to me baby you know so I kind of just take a layer and then i i beat a i beat a joke i beat it to death yeah but um <laughs> But, uh, yeah, so it's all that. Yeah, it could be something just I see today, or I could see something. I was on an airplane yesterday. I was thinking uh, a lot of the jokes in the show are from you just, just every day, you know, seeing things that, like, there's something funny about that. Like, the wearing the mask at the airport, I do a bit about that, where they, the guy says, you got to take your mask down. And I go through TSA, and I take it down. And he looks at me, looks at my ID, and he said, you're good to go. So th- and I took a picture. Here's me before I took my mask down. It's me with a mask on with all my hair. <laughs> And then this, thank God I pulled it down. It's just the same. It's just that, you know, so it gets a big laugh because people, they, they, they not only have been through it, but they, they, they see the absurdity in it. Like, you know, yeah. well, thank God he checked to see if it was me. Like, fuck. <laughs> you know. In, in putting together props and, and jokes, has there ever been a time when you've been like, ooh, too far? Oh, well, absolutely. I mean, I think every comic, uh, I usually don't go with the, I never take it. I mean, there's been some I've done in the, you know, everyone has to have one or two. They were like kind of risky, but, um, I think most, I wouldn't say all, most comics, I think they need to, uh, they know the, the, the boundaries of what's something that might be considered, not even the word inappropriate, just really just too soon kind of thing. So mm-hmm. anything that has to do with, uh, you know, death, uh, you know, plane crashes, things that are just horrible, definitely not. I mean, there's, no, there's, just, there's just no there's no place for it. Now, the one that I did get away with was the, what we, in fact, it's funny, the shelf life of, of jokes when the, when the plane landed in the Hudson. Mm-hmm. And no one died, you know. Boom! You can tell a joke because no one died, and that was the whole thing. Hey, no one died, and we have a at the Luxor. There's a bodies exhibit and a Titanic museum. I said, you know, just think if one person had died, we'd have the fucking exhibit right here at the Luxor, <laughs> and that would just slay, you know, because no one did die. But yeah, if we just think if one person, we would have an exhibit. Hey, go see the Titanic, and now go see the Hudson crash, whatever the yeah. death on the Hudson. So, um, so I do. Yeah, we try to. I, I, I. I mean, I don't have people that tell me what I can do and can't do. I just kind of make the judgment in my in my own head what I think might be, you know. And now, you know. As long I'm doing this so long now, you know, seeing the the roller coaster of, of what is inappropriate, what people consider to be inappropriate, you know, it's amazing. I've seen it go. I mean, I've been through the whole, you know, thirty some years of seeing how audiences kind of react and 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 think and look around uh, more than they probably would have back then. I mean, there's always been, you know, that there's uh-huh. always been that, but but you know, it, we're getting a little better. I think people are trying to start to say, you know, we can't be too sensitive, especially if you're you're at a comedy show. It's kind of our job to be a little mm-hmm. push it a little bit. I'm assuming you have got 
a massive warehouse of of props and we things do. that you kind of have in the archive. Street. Yeah, there's, it's great. And I, I love walking through there because you just you see years and years of things that like, oh, remember that used to do? Oh my god, that used to be such a great. And sometimes it's fun to reinvent them if if it's if it's possible. Mm-hmm. Um, or or a part, you know, like the gas pump handle. I used to be a different joke with that one. So I said, where's that damn gas pump? Because I don't want to have to go steal another one. <laughs> so, yeah. How often do you pull stuff out of the archive and throw it in the show? Uh, it depends on, yeah, sometimes a lot of times. I mean, yeah, I'm always changing something. Uh, I like to add something from the archives once in a while to keep it fresh for me. And then a lot of times the audience hasn't seen it, too. I have a lot of new fans, and I'll, I'll present it in the way that, hey, check this out. This is uh, stuff from my from my uh, the Carrot Classics that goes back to, you know, when I started, and that's kind of fun. People that had seen it will, you know, reminisce and remember it, and people that haven't will like, oh, that's cool. You can see that it's how some of it's dated, which makes it cool. So it shows that you have, mm-hmm. like, stuff that you could tell was, you know, yeah. like a bank tube or something joke where you, they could tell that was, that was uh, you know, old. Up next, Carrot Top talks about some of the famous folks who've come to see him at his Vegas residency, and he shares his thoughts on the current state of comedy. That's coming up on Jeff Does Vegas. I want to talk a little bit about the business of comedy today. Yeah. Who do you find funny right now? What are some of your favorite comedians? Nobody. Nobody. <laughs> um, no, I like, you know, it's funny. I still, I, I, I'm, I'm kind of, I've just answered this question today with just a friend. They were like, who's the new up and young, up and coming young comics you like? And I said, you know, the down, the bad side about doing a show overnight here in Vegas um, is I, and it's not that I can't not do it, but I don't, I don't have the luxury to, or do, I just don't to try to explore and look for new comics that are out there, maybe even be a, a you know, a, a mentor to one. Um, I do my show and then I go home and then it's late and then I go, I don't want to watch comedy. Uh, you know, I just want to, so, um, and when I lived in L- in LA, I would go to, uh, I would go to the clubs a lot. Because I would sit in the back and watch all, you know, there could be 30 comics in a night and sit there mm-hmm. and just laugh and go, wow, that guy's going to be. I mean, I've seen so many that I said, that's going to be, that guy's going to be huge. And they ended up uh, ended up being being huge. I mean, remember Larry the Cable Guy was a buddy of mine. I said, this guy is going to be huge. And, you know, boom. I knew, I just had, I knew he had that, you know, that, that shtick too. He, he'd just read the phone book and would make you laugh. Yeah. Do you think present day now with social media being what it is, YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, that kind of stuff, do you think it's easier for people to break into comedy and get discovered or, or is it a, a situation where it's just such a diluted that is a great question. People. I wish that was a question I could I could answer with no because I, I I think I say that all the time. I say you know I don't know if I if I if I started again right now today would I would I have the 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 you know the, the energy or the or the uh, the the, the it, I just remember what a long journey it was getting into this. However, like you just said, with the with all the other. Um, ways like TikTok and all that there might be more ways to get involved and people see your stuff without waiting at a comedy club until two in the morning to perform in front of 10 people so you know there is an advantage probably to that you know TikTok crowd they they they're funny and a million people see it in one day where you know it took me you know it would take you you know five years to get a million people to see your stuff so yeah. there's, a, there's a good point there. i don't know if that the answer if that but um i know a lot of very successful people that have come through the social media aspect of it um, which is funny because I'm trying to get do that too, just keep up with the young people, you know, do the TikToks and do all those things and show people, hey, I'm you know I'm still here. Um, 
talking about Las Vegas, I mean, the, the residency here at the Luxor, this is 16 years now that yeah, you've 16. been here and just signed back on for another. I think it's, uh, it's either four or something. I forget. I think we signed a five year. So I don't know if the four year counts with COVID, uh, but yeah. Yeah. At, at this point, does it even matter how many, <laughs> how many more years you've well, yeah, signed You kind of want to know. Because, I mean, you want to know, what, yeah, I don't know how many have left so you can kind of plan, but I, I, mean, I hope I stay here. Uh, I hope I stay here for, for, you know, till the end. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's been 16 at this, this hotel and then 10 at the MGM and one at Bally's. So it's been a, it's been a crazy run. When you sign a big residency like that, I remember doing an interview one time with Meatloaf and I asked him about doing a residency, a Vegas residency. And he had said at the time he was friends with Bette Midler and she was doing one here. And he said, oh, hell no, I have no desire to do something like that. I see what she goes through and how much work it is and blah, blah, blah. When you first got that offer to come to the Luxor for a long term like that, was there that apprehension and that concern like, oh, my God, am I going to be able to actually pull this off? Yes. Meatloaf actually told me that. Um, <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. No, uh, I was very, very much uh, apprehensive about it. In fact, I, I've said it before. And uh when I was at the uh, MGM and I was doing kind of a uh, intermittent residency, it wasn't like a full-on residency like what we have here. It would be like a week, and I'd go on the road, I'd go to you know Calgary, go to, and then come back to Vegas and do two weeks, and then go back on the road and come back to Vegas. I did like uh, I think it was eight to ten weeks a year, sometimes twelve, but not you know what I'm doing now. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when David Copfield wanted to have that room full time, which I used to make a joke, David Copfield, I had, how come you left the MGM Grandison because David Copfield made him disappear. <laughs> and then I went to the newspaper with that and he called me, like literally said, what the hell? Was, I said, it's a joke. I, you didn't really literally make me disappear. David, you're a, you're a magician. Um, uh, and so they, the Luxor, uh, I remember there was a, this room was available or, or it could be. And uh, my my people said to me, what do you think about it? And I said, you know, 12 weeks a year, you know, do that. He said, no, no, full time. And I said, oh, Jesus, I don't, it's like a desk job. I don't know if I could do, I don't think I could, I don't know if I could do that every night. So yeah. I, we came over, looked at the room. I liked the room. And then I remember thinking, oh my God, can I do like a, like a month and maybe just do and see if I like it? I don't know, I can't sign off. So I think we signed on a year and I was miserable because I, I had to stay in the in the hotel, which is not a bad thing, that beautiful hotel. But you know, going into your, go to your room and back, the only way to go up and the access to your room back was through the elevator, inclinator sideways. Yeah. And you know, you, you never, I must go get a cup of coffee or go get lunch or go do this. You have to go down the elevator to the people, to the crowd, to the, you know, to the casino. And it was just, it was just, it was just a nightmare. So I was just, I was like, I, I, I think I, I bit off more than I can chew. I'm not, I'm not digging this, this at all. And then uh, I finally found a house and then I got into a nice little rhythm. Mm-hmm. But it still took the first, I think it was three years we had. It took a, a long time to get used to doing the show every night in the same city, in the same theater. And Vegas is a different, uh, all different beast. I mean, we go on the road, we do road shows. You know, more than half the crowd's got Care Top shirts on. They've, you know, they prepared and planned for a night out at see Care Top. Vegas sometimes they're like, oh, we can't get into Blue Man Group. We'll go see this Care Top guy. <laughs> it's either blue or orange. And uh, so, uh, but you might you might win them over. Mm-hmm. You know, they come and uh, I used to I used to do that, but I'm afraid to ask now. How many people first time seeing my show? And I was, Ugh. but um. But you win them over, and then he's like, oh, "Okay, I just got into a rhythm." One day, I just got into a rhythm, and I was like, "I love this gig." And then I realized, man, I really don't want to leave, and I want to stay mm-hmm. a Vegas guy. 
And both. I'm just a Vegas guy. People always say, oh, you're just a Vegas guy. What, what do you think is, has contributed to that longevity? I mean, 16 years in one place is, is huge. It puts you in some pretty elite company in this city. There's not too many people that have done residencies that long. I mean, what, what do you think is contributing to that? I really honestly don't know the answer to that as well. It's a mystery because I, 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 I always think the same thing. I can't believe I'm still here and they're still coming. And um, I can only think that maybe I keep the show fresh. I mean, I do get a lot of people that say, hey, man, I, I saw your show um, and it's always new. It's always, even if there's some things that aren't, there's always going to be a new aspect or a new look or a new sound effect or a new staging new, new, and something just to make the show uh, a little new. And the material, you know, up to date, you can tell them, you know, I'm talking about current, you know, uh, things. So I don't know. But again, if I knew the answer to that, I probably, uh, yeah. But I do, I do, I do notice it. I mean, I realize it. It's not a night goes by. I'm like, I'm lucky people are here and they're digging it and having fun. You've had a lot of celebs come out to the show as well, which is is really cool. Are you ever surprised by who your fans are like somebody shows up and you're like oh never in a million years oh, absolutely yeah, yeah that's kind of a cool that's kind of the thing i th- i don't know i you know i've been in this what do they call the show business for so many years that i still get i still get starstruck like from people i feel like no you know you've met you meet presidents and you meet this but like you know it's weird as you you always get a little excited like shania twain is coming to the show you know they and they walk in the door and they're like hi and it's just and then we realize they're just normal people but it's just still that little that little sparkle factor of of like oh my god I grew up with you know her or, or you know yeah we've had we've had a whole month, we've had everybody here mm-hmm. Queen was probably the biggest Queen the band yeah that was pretty amazing I mean that was kind of pinched me everyone was just kind of looking at each other like fucking Queen is there in my dressing room like how did this happen yeah what bet did they have to lose to go see Carrot Top and they came two nights in a row to the show wow yeah and they came back had drinks talked shop I mean literally it was right before the movie came out and they were very uh, they were very upfront about how they didn't know if they they thought it was going to be a good movie they thought it was going to bomb that mm-hmm. weird and it became I think one of the biggest movies that ever came out but the, uh, you know getting their info prior to they before it came out they were like yeah we don't know it's you know Scott we didn't know so. and then I came out I'm like holy moly I mean a billion I think it was a billion dollars yeah. on, over everywhere is that, that I mean you're a music guy I, I know from having seen your show I mean you love all kinds of music and classic rock particularly yes. you have a, a big part of that when guys like Queen come backstage and want to talk shop with you how surreal is that for you oh it is and what they want to talk about is well I, one they'll say they got so much music in your show so you must be somehow uh you know, you must love music. And, and they see the guitars, and I said, actually, I play drums. And then, you know, of course, Roger Taylor's like, drums, will you go play? I said, no, no, no. I, 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 I don't play drums. I mean, I can play drums, but I'm not a drummer. Let's put it that way. I mm-hmm. mean, I can keep a beat. Uh, you're a drummer. Yeah. But, um, yeah, no, and then they want to talk shot. They want to talk about what I do. That's what makes it fun. You know, I'm asking them, like, what's it like when you're doing, like, you know, we were rocky, or how you wrote that? And he's like, "Well, I want to know how you wrote the gas pump handle with the mirror on it." Like, it's, it's, they really are. They're like, the, "How do you come up with the? How do you come up with that?" So, yeah. And I'm like, "How do you come up with the song?" So, yeah, it's a mutual uh, admiration for one another's kind of you know work. And they and they were really really sweet. And like I said, they came twi- two nights in a row, and they they, they loved it. And they were fun. It's it is really weird when that happens. I had an experience like that with Alice Cooper. Oh, he's a uh, nice guy. Super nice guy. And I interviewed him, and we did a whole half hour whatever talking about music and he was hosting the alice cooper radio show at that point 
And so after we were done, he came around the other side of the board and started asking me questions about radio and about this. And was, cool. in my brain, I'm like, Holy shit, it's Alice, Alice Cooper, Cooper asking me questions <laughs> yeah. about radio. This yeah, is so odd. Cool. Yeah, that's cool. Um, you, I mean, you've been in Vegas for a long time. What are some of the biggest changes that you've seen? Oh, definitely the growth. I mean, when I when I first had a show here, there wasn't the name. I mean, the MGM Grand, I think, was just built. So because um, we went, I remember we went to it. It was like, so big we're like holy that was like the deal right you're just like walk around the mgm grand it was so big um so the number one the growth i mean the number of hotels and that's a joke in my show your room's not ready so are you cleaning it no we're building it right now you can, <laughs> you can pick out the carpet but um yeah the growth and then and, and of course the the, the kind of actually i think because of the the number of uh, acts and, and shows in, in this town too you know when i was doing at the mgm or bally's it was like a dozen shows or you know whatnot there's one at caesar's one there there wasn't i think there's like i don't even know the number of shows in uh, that, that's open in one night on a given night in vegas uh-huh. but there's thousands you know so that's one you know that's one thing i think i've seen and the people that come to vegas the 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 the, the shows i mean i remember right when i first got the show and they were like you know you know, MGM or uh, Vegas was kind of like that's where you go to die, kind of thing. You know, you go, you got a show in Vegas. Huh? You know, road guys are stars. Vegas guys are, you know. Mm-hmm. And then now you're looking, in, you know, everyone in, in the world is here, from Elton John to Rod Stewart to Adele to, you know, I, the list goes on and on. The biggest, yeah. the biggest of the biggest names want to have a show in Vegas. So that's been an interesting thing to see change. And I'm like, hey, I, used to, I always thought it was cool. What about, you know? <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's, you know, any given night you can see, like, you know, George Strait, or you can go see, you know, in the same night. Yeah. George Strait or, or you know, Metallica and the Stones and Carrot Top, all in the same night in Vegas. Do you think the future of entertainment in Vegas is more of those kind of limited residencies, the big sort of one shots, three shows a few times a year? Or do you think we're going to see a resurgence of those production type shows coming back? That's another good. You have good. You have good questions. Um, I just don't know the answer to that. I mean, I think that those big name shows. I'm not sure they would come in and do like what I would do. I can, you know, I don't think Metallica is going to come in here for 400 or 40 weeks a year. It's uh-huh. not going to happen. Um, so they're probably going to just do weekends. I would think Aerosmith, those kind of guys, come in and they do. A, they blast out a week. I mean, they call it a residency. It's not. It's, yeah. I, I always say it's, it's not a residency, but it's a. I guess it's somewhat. You know, a residency. It's three. You know, they might have eight shows in a month, mm-hmm. kind of thing. But. Uh, the yeah, the production shows I don't know I think um, it's 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 all changing so fast I mean I don't know we have you know all the Cirque shows and of course COVID had a big deal you know that was a very that changed a lot of things for not only just for the whole world but definitely Vegas I mean you know things change um, the kind of shows that that did close after that and the ones that that remained so mm-hmm. yeah interesting. I don't want to talk about COVID a ton and, and the, I'm just kind of throwing it out there. I know in other entertainers that I've spoken to, some of them who were working so hard for so long actually almost kind of appreciated the break to a certain degree because it gave them a chance to work on some material that maybe they hadn't been working on before. Did you, were you able to take some time and do some stuff like that or did no. you just enjoy? No, I didn't quote enjoy. Unquote, enjoy. No, I didn't even enjoy it. I, I, I always love answering this question because people say, you know, I have almost an entire year off. And I never did enjoy it because I didn't know the future of what was to be. So I think if they'd come to me and said, hey, listen, man, you're going to get a year off and then we're going to reopen and it's going to go back to normal. I would have really enjoyed it. But I I mean, I did enjoy it. I have a house in Florida. I'm on a lake. I've got a boat. So I survived 
And I would say it every night with my friends. I don't know how I would have survived this if I didn't have that escape. Because mm-hmm. I, was, I was literally on my boat. We'd have barbecues. We'd take the boat out. We'd, you know, just living in the, the moment. But, but it was always like, you know, every other you know, day, a phone call from the, my management and people just talking about when they think that we're going to reopen. And so, you know, a month and another month and another month. And then all of a sudden it's like, what? And they're like, yeah, now they're saying July. And then they said September. And I'm, you know, I'm kind of freaking out. I've got a staff. I've got a, you know, I've got a lot of, th- like anyone does, a lot of things to uh, think about. So there was moments where I, I, I think I enjoyed but it. But it was, it was more of an uneasiness not knowing where the future was going to go. I appreciate this again. I, I really mm-hmm. do. This, this is uh, huge for me. I, I, I'm a big fan of you Thank and of you. the show and of, you. and of your work. And so having the opportunity to sit down and chat with you has been thanks. fantastic. So thank you so thanks, much. Jeff. Yeah. Thank you for letting me uh, come on and thanks for coming to Vegas and hello, Canada. Catch Carrot Top six nights a week at the Atrium Showroom at the Luxor, Las Vegas. Find out more by visiting luxor.mgmresorts.com. If you want to see if Carrot Top is coming to a town near you, visit his website at carrottop.com. And be sure to give him a follow on social media at Carrot Top Live. And that wraps up another episode of Jeff Does Vegas. If you've got feedback on this episode of the show, or any other episode for that matter, or you've got suggestions and ideas for topics you'd like me to cover on the podcast, please feel free to reach out to me via Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Jeff Does Vegas. Or drop me an email directly at Jeff at JeffDoesVegas.com. In the meantime, thank you so much for checking out the show. Be sure to follow us wherever you get your podcasts so you'll know the moment new episodes are available. And don't forget to visit JeffDoesVegas.com for past episodes and show notes. My name is Jeff, and this has been Jeff Does Vegas, a Walker New Media production. Jeff Does Vegas.